This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, I remember visiting the church that Rusty Young had outside of Paris and LeMay. And I remember he explained to me that they had just had an evening church meeting to discuss some decision they were going to make in the church. And the French, they just don't have a good feeling about a discussion unless there's an argument, unless there's a debate. Now, this decision that they were going to make, and this is why they got together this night, the church there, the decision was obvious, and it was unanimous. Nobody disagreed with what they should do. But the French did not feel comfortable with that, that everyone agreed with the church needed to do. But in fact, it was very upsetting for the French church to have a decision be made without hearing from the other side. There was no other side, but they had to hear from the other side. So even though there was no other side, someone took upon himself to become the other side. And to he didn't believe it, but he argued for it. And he gave all the compelling reasons he possibly could and he even voted against it. Finally, when the, when the church did take a vote, he was, of course, outvoted, but the church was very happy <laughs> because they heard from the other side. <laughs> they heard from the other side because they heard arguments from the other side and they were able to crush those arguments. And that's very French. That's very French. Well, that person from arguing for the other side, he didn't believe it. He was a hypocrite. And this is what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. They pretended to be something they were not. They pretended to believe in something they really didn't believe. For example, they pretended to be righteous, but inwardly, oh, the Lord said in Luke 12:1, Luke 12:1, he said to them, and don't quote me because I'm not going to get it exactly right, but you'll get it. Anyway, what did he say? He said, um, you are whited sepulchers. You appear very beautiful on the outside, white, oh, so white, but inside, rotten, stinking bones. 
He says, that's what he said to them. He said, outwardly, you look so righteous. Why did it coffin? But inside, you're rotten. That's a hypocrite. It reminds me, in other words, he was saying to them, when it comes to outward ceremonies, when it comes to keeping uh, traditions, ooh, you are very nice. You are perfect. But inwardly, you're rotten. And so this reminds me, as I was going to say, about the Lyft driver from yesterday. He told me he didn't believe in God. And then he says, I have a question for you. I said, go ahead, fire away. He said, are all people bad who do not believe in God? <laughs> so, okay. So I thought, this sounds like the Pharisee situation, you know. This is a question about the outward versus the inward. The outward versus the inward, which was what the Lord was talking to him about. And the, the difference, there is a difference now that has to be considered between what man sees and what God sees. There is a difference between the outward and the inward, as there was with the Pharisees. And what God told Samuel, God told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16:7, 1 Samuel 16:7 says, The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his statue, because I refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, that's the difference. The issue is that man does not see what God sees. We only see the outward. We don't see the heart. And so, therefore, we say, oh, that person looks really good outwardly. He's a fine, moral, upstanding person. He's helping others. He's a good person. We look on the outside. That's what we see. But God looks on the inside. He sees a totally different picture. He looks on the inside. Hebrews 4.13 is what he sees. Hebrews 4.13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He looks on the heart, and he sees the thoughts of man. He sees this, and, and he just... Um, he sees Matthew 15, 18. Matthew 15, 18 is what he sees. He says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, lying, blasphemies. These are things which defile a man. So God looks on the heart, and he's got to hold his nose. It so stinks for the terrible state, the horrible thoughts that are just boiling up, bubbling up, spewing out, spilling over, and all this is happening. And the most prominent event, that, so we're talking about the leaven of the Pharisees Sadducees, the most prominent event that the Pharisees value above any event in history is Mount Sinai. Oh, it's all about Mount Sinai for them, because there they received the Torah, the law, it was out in Mount Sinai that the Pharisees claimed that they received oral law by which they rule the people. They rule the people with the oral law in a very similar way that the Catholic Church ruled the people. The Catholic Church for hundreds of years did not allow the Bible to be translated or to be printed in the languages of the people, the common people that spoke. Instead, the Catholic Church kept the Bible translated into Latin, which the common people didn't speak. And so that meant that the common people had to learn from the Catholic Church what the Bible said or what God said. 
Well, in a very similar way, the Jewish people have really done a very similar thing in the sense that, of course, the Jewish people speak Hebrew, the, the Israelites spoke Hebrew. That was the language of the written law, so it was very understood what it said in the written law, and they, they could find out what God said just by reading it. But the Pharisees said that there was an oral law that was given to a certain elite group of people at Mount Sinai, and it was the oral law that interpreted the written law. So if the people really wanted to know the oral law, then they'd have to go to the Pharisees to find out. This is what I'm learning as I go through these Torah classes, Talmud classes at the Orthodox synagogues. I'm constantly hearing this, well, this is written, but this is what it means over here, the Talmud tells us, the oral law tells us. So in this way, the, the Pharisees held control over the people, and you can see this control in, that they had and how they were of utmost importance. Do not lose control over the people. Do not lose authority over the people. And you see this in John 11, John 11, 45, John 11, 45, in the subject of the raising of from the dead of Lazarus, where it says in John 11, 45, that many of the Jews came to Mary, which is Lazarus' sister, and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus has done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles, and if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. The concern of the Pharisees was that their place of position of authority and control was being threatened by Jesus. So for the Pharisees, it was all about power and control over the Jewish people. And that's why the Pharisees always go back to Mount Sinai as the place where they got authority over the people because they say that they received there the oral law which the people needed to go to them to find out about what God said. So with their oral law, they say, then it's possible that you can stand before God righteous. You can stand before God righteous. You can be righteous. I was so shocked. When I saw in Israel, an Orthodox man, he was walking on the street, and this Orthodox synagogue needed a minion to 10 people to have a prayer. So this Orthodox man is walking on the street, and they come out of their, their synagogue, and they say, hey, Tzadik, come over here. Hey, righteous person, come over here. I about fell off my chair. Righteous person? What makes him righteous? Okay, so the Jewish people, so they say, you can be righteous, but what is the actual record? What is the actual record of what happened at Mount Sinai? I mean, Jewish people did not stand before God at Mount Sinai with a confidence that they were righteous. They're born Jewish, they're righteous, they're in because of their birth certificate. No, in Exodus 20, the Jewish people are standing and they're having just Exodus 20. They just got the law in the form of the 10 biggies, the 10 big ones, the 10 big commandments. And so it starts off Exodus 20, verse 1, Exodus 20, verse 1. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, etc., 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 until they got through all the 12s. And from there, it just proceeded on the remaining nine of the 10 commandments. And then you get the response of the people after just having gotten the 10 commandments, in verse 18, Exodus 20, 18, Exodus 20, 18, all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and they stood afar off. 
And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, we'll hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. So the response of people at the Mount Sinai was absolute fear, absolute trembling, absolute terror. They were the farthest thing from thinking that they were tzaddik, that they were righteous. The people were not standing there with God so near, thinking that they were going to go to heaven just because they're born Jewish. The people pulled away from God. They got as far as they could from God, and they told Moses, please, 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 you alone speak with us. And their famous words are, Exodus 20, 19, Exodus 20, 19, their famous words are, let not God speak with us, lest we die. They were so afraid of dying because they knew they were sinners. They were guilty. And when they heard the law and they heard each one of those Ten Commandments for the first time, it was terrible for them. When they heard each one of those those individual Ten Commandments, after each one, they heard the judge's gavel come down with a bang, guilty. And the judgment was final. You know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Bang, guilty. Oh, I love money. Thou shalt not to take in the name of the Lord of thy God in vain. Bang, guilty. Oh, I say, oh, my God. Remember the Sabbath. Bang, guilty. I don't honor, honor God as the creator. Honor thy father and my mother. Bang, guilty. Oh, I told my father and mother, stop ordering me around. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder. Bang, guilty. Oh, I, I've said I wish I could kill that person. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Bang, oh, I wish I could have my way with that woman. Thou shalt not steal. Bang, guilty. Oh, I cheated my boss at a time when he was paying me to work and I wasn't. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Bang, guilty. Yeah, I lied. Thou shalt not covet. Bang, guilty. I wish I'd had his house, his wife, and what he's got. And when all those people, Jewish people, heard each one of those Ten Commandments, they hung their heads lower and they said, I'm guilty of that one. I'm guilty of that one. And they became terrified of the judgment. And all that was the whole process of the law, the process of the laws to bring the people to show them how much they need grace and mercy and for God to save them. And the law came by Moses, but grace and truth that comes by Jesus Christ. And so the law was condemning them. And it says in Galatians 3.24, Galatians 3.24, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So the law is a schoolmaster saying, come on now, come on now, come on now. I got to bring you to Christ now. I'm sitting over here trembling. I don't want to hear God. Well, come over here. And the people heard the law. They said, I'm guilty. What can I do? And the law, like the teacher says, just take my hand. Take my hand. I'll bring you to Christ. He's the source of grace and mercy for all the lawbreakers. And so the law became, as the hymn says, by God's word, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great, grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. See, that's the purpose of God's law. It was to show the people how far they were from being righteous and to lead them to Christ. And the Pharisees taught that the law was given at Mount Sinai, but also the the oral law was given there. And with the oral law, no problem. You just do what you say. And that set up the conflict between the law and God and the Pharisees. Because God meant that the written law engraved in two tablets of stone, I mean, how much more written can you get than that? 
was to lead the people to Christ to save them from the violations of the law. And the Pharisees meant that the oral law was to lead the people to the Pharisees to tell them how they could keep the law and be righteous. And all that was hypocrisy because inside the Pharisees, like all men, they were sinners and they claimed to be righteous. And that's the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that the Lord Jesus was warning about in verse 6. And it made the people feel so good to feel righteous. Oh, at last. I don't want to live anymore under shame and guilt. Who does for breaking the law? It feels just so much good because just I like to hear, I'm okay, you're okay. That's nice. And that's a dangerous leaven. A dangerous leaven that makes the people feel so good that they're really good. And that leaven is referred to in 1 Corinthians 5, 6. 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Your glory is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you might be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. See, if a person believes that he's righteous, that glorying is no good, and because then he has no need for Christ. But he gets rid of that, that leaven, then all of a sudden, what do I do? And then the answer is, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. See, it's only as he sees himself as a sinner, as a person seems going to run to Christ. Otherwise, why bother? And that's a very dangerous leaven. It spreads throughout. Leaven's so small at first, but it just, throughout the whole amount of dough. And the leaven of the Pharisees is the oral law, which say that it was given at Mount Sinai. And and they say it was given at Mount Sinai, the oral law. And they say, miracle of miracles. It's remained unchanged, even though it was not written down for millennia. And it was passed from one person to another, maybe as many as 100 people. Try that. Tell that to one person, let them pass it on to a hundred people and see if it just comes out just pristine in just the way you originally told. That's nonsense. They say that the oral law is infallible and it's just as important as the written law and it hasn't changed at all. As a matter of fact, they say it's above the written law because it interprets the written law. Leaven will not stand still. It is by nature, it will spread, it will act, it will grow. You say to a person, you're really a good person, or you really can become a good person. And that belief, it will spread like wildfire. And that's why the Lord uses the symbol of leaven in verse 6. Now, now, how did the disciples receive that in verse 7? That's the question. Verse 7. Well, they reasoned among themselves, saying, oh, it's because we have taken no bread. <laughs> so the Greek word reasoned is interesting, because another place where that word is used reasoned is in Mark 9.33. Mark 9.33, he came to Capernaum and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed, is the word, disputed among yourselves by the way, and they held their peace, for by the way, they disputed among themselves who should be greatest. So the word reasoned is the same word that's used in Mark 9.33 and 34. They're arguing which one's the greatest one. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, you not. No, I'm better. See, and that's that's translated disputed. So what it's saying here in verse seven, in verse seven, when it says they reason among themselves, they're arguing among themselves. So it means that it's your fault that we don't have any bread. You are the one who has brought the bread before. Yeah, but you're the one who has the responsibility. Yeah, but you're the one who always remember things and you should remember. That's what they were doing. See, after he says this, beware of the leaven of, he's trying to bring them up to higher level. That just starts a big argument among them. 
no one was thinking that he was warning about something totally different. They're blaming each other. He thinks, oh, yeah, he's blaming us because we forgot bread. Well, it's your fault. That's where they went. So now the Lord listens to their angst about this, and he's thinking to himself, again, you know, he's going like this. You know, you can see him sighing. He's going, what can I do? How can I get my followers to be on the same page as I'm thinking about? You know, it's the problem of the Pharisees. They're all wrapped up over bread. So he's trying to get them to focus. And so the disciples hear 11, and they're all just concerned about they forgot. Okay, so now when we read in verse 8 that the Lord perceived, it says he perceived what they were talking about. And it's interesting when you do look at his ability to perceive, as we just read about it, Hebrews 4.13, Hebrews 4.13, the next two verses are very nice. In Hebrews 13, it says, as we saw, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto him with the eyes of whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. If we only had that verse, Hebrews 4.13, that's pretty bad news. You know, he sees straight through us, we're naked, uh, we've got to be judged by him. That's not good. But there are verses 13 and 14. So verse 13 is like Moses coming down from the Mount Sinai. He's got the law in his hands. It's all bad news. They're hanging their head. They're getting farther away, guilty, guilty, guilty. But, and they're asking the question, what can we do? What can we do? And, I mean, because verse 13 just says that who we re- Jesus sees that we really are who we are, dirty, rotten sinners. That's bad news. But verses 14 and 15 immediately follow, which explains to us that not only is the Lord Jesus the all-knowing judge, because that's what Hebrews 4.13 is saying, but the next verses say that he is the all-compassionate priest, and he helps us. In other words, he's both our judge and our lawyer. You couldn't get a better lawyer in a court than the judge himself. So this is that, that's what I was telling you. All right, now coming back to him trying to get his disciples to focus on the important things. Instead of first bringing the disciples in line with what he's focused on and talking about, which is the leaven of the Pharisees, the Lord decides to engage in what they're focused on, which was their anxiety over not bringing bread. And so he says to them in verse 8, in verse 8, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because you brought no bread? You not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousands, how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of 4,000, how many baskets you took up? So in getting on their page of just being anxious over the lack of bread, first of all, he addresses them, oh, ye of little faith. That's what he calls them. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to be called little faith. That's not good. The Lord, no, that's not good. And by the way, this isn't the first time that he has called someone a little faith. And if you we go back over the pattern of the times when he did say that, we get an idea of what it means. You know, there was a time when he called Peter of little faith in Matthew 14.25. Matthew 14.25, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit. They cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, Peter was afraid, beginning to sink. Peter cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus put forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore dost thou doubt? 
So Peter's doing fine. He's obeying the Lord. He's walking on the water to come to Christ. And, and Peter takes his eyes off the Lord, and he looks and says, boy, this is a strong wind out here. And he looks down, he says, these are pretty big waves. And he doubts, and the Lord says, oh, thou little faith. The issue with Peter was that he doubted if the Lord really was going to save him. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.